live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is Alan K. Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Hello, greetings, and welcome into a new week. Monday, November 14th, 2022. We've got 31 degrees, mostly cloudy skies in the capital city. Uh, on our way to, well, not all that much warmer than it is right now. Get to the uh, get to the mid-30s here. That's kind of what it's going to be all of this week. Uh, mid to low 30s during the day. Uh, low 20s at best, but probably teen lows during the night. And, uh, yeah, kind of a... Yeah, a little, a little bit cooler than you might hope for this year, but you, you got to get you got to get those days here where the sun's out and the wind isn't too bad, and thirties are you know thirties are thirties just fine then if you get that, but you need everything else to be to be going right today. Probably won't see much sun, mostly cloudy today. Although uh, the wind shouldn't be bad today, may actually get a little precip here, uh, especially midday. Uh, looks like we got the best chance of that. Uh, got a good show for you today. Uh, it is a Monday. We got a lot of open space here today on the show. And so we'll, uh, we'll delve into, uh, some of the things that are going on here as we get into a new week. Also, we'll have Dirk Chatlin joining us today. Got a pair of fantasy Huskers keywords in our last five day week of fantasy Huskers. Uh, we of course will have a shortened week next week, Thanksgiving week, mm-hmm. Iowa week. Uh, and, uh, and then, yeah, we've got a regular season that is, that is ending at this point. Now, um, you, you may come into this show in one of a couple of ways right now. You may come in, uh, to, as someone who, uh, either was, uh, was, uh, following the deep recesses of Husker Twitter last night, uh, or have someone else in your life that was, and you've been getting texts from them. <laughs> or you may come in as somebody who the last time that you thought was uh, about Husker football might have been on Saturday or even prior to that when they went off the field in Michigan, unable to score a touchdown. And, um, you know, yeah, just uh, just getting it taken to them for, uh, for most of the game by Michigan. Well, just to update you, if you are a member of the uh, the group of that latter group, um, it seems Twitter, it seems my text line, my personal text line on my phone um, is uh, we're finally hitting a little bit of a point, Caleb, after we've said week after week after week. Wow, there's just not much. There's not much leaks, not much in terms of rumors, not much in terms of names that are surfacing. Well, uh, they're out there last night into this morning. And and again, there's nothing. I've, we've got nothing here at KLIN to report here at this point. But I do want to make people aware if they see these discussions uh, that... That the, the 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 rumors are hot and heavy, and I wouldn't. I, I guess I will say, I wouldn't dismiss them out of hand until we have some some more some real confirmation that they're. I wouldn't. I wouldn't accept or dismiss them out of hand at this point, uh, because we are getting into uh, potentially some some timing where it would not be surprising uh, if a move was was going to be made, um, and well uh, and. And we'll see if that actually happens today. Uh, I, I think there's a chance 
I think it's not out of the question that we could have some level of confirmation of something uh, potentially during this show. And if there's not going to be anything, maybe we'll have something cleared up. Um, the The name that is garnering the attention now, the name that is the one being thrown about, the name whose Wikipedia entry was changed last night to say <laughs> he was will be the new coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers is Matt Rule. The former coach, most former, of the Carolina Panthers, formerly before that of Baylor, formerly before that of Temple, um, was fired as Carolina Panthers head coach about almost exactly a month ago after the Carolina Panthers got off to a slow start. He was beginning his third year coaching Carolina. His name had been bantied about as someone who would be a candidate even before that he was fired. Then he was removed of his duties at Carolina. Mike Schaefer talked a lot about trying to kind of track down what potentially the conversation between Nebraska and Matt Rule had looked like. Schaefer uh, had had found out. Um, I don't know if he fully confirmed it, but he sounded like, sounded like it might have been the case that Matt Rule had been out of the country recently, um, and that he had it, not not Cabo. Not Cabo, like the uh, really fun flight tracker I was able to work back to that same same time. Do you know it wasn't in Cabo? That's the word. Okay. Is that out of the country, but not Cabo. Interesting. Okay. Um, So uh, Flight tracker season got real hot and heavy for me last night. But Mike did a lot of, uh, made a lot of phone calls to people and wasn't at the time on that. This was two Fridays ago. He came on our Friday Husker Tailgate show and said uh, that he had not established um, through those calls that there had been a connection uh, made between Rule and Nebraska at that time, although he obviously wasn't ruling something like that out at this point. So, yes, just just to update you this morning, you're going to be hearing it today. We have not been able to confirm these reports, but it's it's kind of at a point that it's it's out there so much that I'm at least just acknowledging what it what it is. Because you're seeing it everywhere, and you're going to see it. You're probably going to have gotten texts about it, or you're, um, or you're seeing things on social media about it. Um, I, I, I at least want to say, yeah, these things seem to be out there uh, uh, among some people, and we will see if we can find out more here during the course of the show today, one way or the other. Because goodness sakes. <laughs> If the, I mean, if it isn't the case, let's not let, let's not go too far down the road on this thing. If it is the case, I would think that you want to just get it out there. Uh, yeah, I would. I would think if, if it truly is the case, uh, Caleb. I think we may be hearing something like very soon. We may be hearing something like, like potentially even this morning yeah yeah like this morning yeah maybe even hear something before the show is open uh, or is over and maybe find out some more about it a little bit later in the day today if it is in fact the case so do you, do you know where he lives so i assume he still lives, he still lives in, in carolina right so he coached in 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 carolina and charlotte but does does he have a home in florida too I I don't know I that. Know. I mean, I would okay. because there's a flight scheduled out of uh, Fort Myers direct to Lincoln at nine this morning. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, one one thing that was noted to me was that there is a flight from now Omaha, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but from Omaha to Char- back to Charlotte this afternoon. At like, yeah, two in the afternoon or one thirty or or two in the afternoon. But well, that's an American Airlines flight. There's a private one too, oh, I think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Well, Fansite, it's got uh, about six minutes ago, they updated it and said he's probably in Lincoln already. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, yeah I would. I, if, if, if the rumors are true, that might be the case. Now, I've not been in all the grocery stores in town. Um, I was in one of them yesterday, but I was not able to check them all last night. And so I'm not going to be able to rule out <laughs> conclusively uh, that he was uh, at the, in the produce section of one of the area. If he does get hired, we're going to have to rethink how often we use the word rule. Yeah, that'll be that'll be a pun that that people like to get into for headlines and mm-hmm. and all of those sorts of things. And yeah, so part of me, I mean, so just because guys, I'm so everybody's so desperate to actually talk about something that's actually news with this. Uh, it's um, we'll, we'll we'll see what we know an hour from now, Caleb. We'll see what we know two hours from now. And maybe that'll kind of lead our discussion. We have open segments at seven ten and eight ten. Nothing has sounded more like twenty twenty when everything was shutting down. We'll see what we know in an hour. Yeah. See what we know in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in any case, that's uh that's what we've got here. Uh but again, nothing uh, at least in terms of I think anybody in, in uh this room doing reporting on it right now, I don't think anybody can can confirm anything, but we we'd be a little remiss if we acted like this thing like wasn't, it wasn't happening. Yeah, like this li- at least like the like the sort of the 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 rumor mill hasn't taken it's not like it's not like the rumor mill has been throughout this thing before. It's at it's at a different level right now so anyway uh that's it what else do we have going on this morning mark oh uh not much maybe not a whole lot couple of shootings in the news oh one in omaha one dead what seven injured yeah party yesterday morning and then this this thing that's underway in the university of uh, virginia yeah i I just got some push alerts about that um it was a apparently a student who's still at large at this point yeah a football player oh was a football player yeah Oh, jeez. And uh, fatally shot, what, three. Th- three people, wounded two more uh, at the University of Virginia? Yep. My goodness. So that, that one's uh, still underway. Uh, Title IX demonstration scheduled for today down in Crete at Doan. Really? They don't have a Title IX coordinator. Somebody's doing multiple duties. And here's uh, Journal Star just posted okay. a, um, a story on that. So. Okay. All so, right. you know, and... Um, you know, I'm one for three for the weekend. How's that? Uh, the Chiefs won. Everybody else, Capitals, uh, volleyball. Volleyball, uh, man. Football. Oh, that volleyball loss. That was... Ugh. Hey, they won on Friday. I know. I was there on Friday. They were dominant on Friday, but man, that's... I don't know. That It's just that uh, that loss is, is going to really... That is really going to make it a challenge to get a top four seed. It is. Um, now, it's not. It's not. I'm not saying it's out of the question. Right. You got to win out now. It's much tougher you, now. You've got to win out, and you might n- need some help in other places to get a top four seed. And, and why is that important? Well, you could stay in Nebraska for the entirety of the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament then and not travel for the regionals. Yeah, you need now someone to beat Ohio State because you don't play them again. And then to win out, which would give you wins in that last week over Purdue, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Right. You'd still have the same record as Wisconsin, though, mm-hmm. in that scenario. 
Now, well, uh, you, you could still in that scenario if someone beats Ohio State, let's say Wisconsin beats Ohio. Because today I'm, I was going to pull up the schedule and see Ohio who Ohio State has left. So Wisconsin will still have to play Ohio State, I believe. Yes, uh, Ohio State has home games against Minnesota and Wisconsin to end the to end the uh, regular. So they have the same schedule as Nebraska. It's just reversed, reversed on the yes. nights. So. Let's say Wisconsin beats Ohio State, and then Nebraska wins out. You're back to a three-way tie at the top of the Big Ten. And at that point, Nebraska will have won out. You hope that that means they They've get the benefit the of the doubt for, well, not the momentum. I'm thinking tournament seeding. Just the fact that they'd be ranked. I, I don't know if they would or not. It's hard to, it's hard to know what the committee's going to look at with, with all of that. Mm-hmm. They've got one other loss. Now, I'm not sure Ohio State and see Ohio State played a really tough non-con schedule they too. Did. So they've got Ohio State's got a couple more. They lost to Pitt. Um, they lost to San Diego. They lost to Texas twice. Yeah, they had the Texas matches back to back to start the season. So Nebraska beat San Diego, or no, Nebraska did not play San Diego. I'm sorry, I was getting one of those West Coast schools mixed up. Um, they also did beat Louisville. They also did beat Georgia Tech. So. It might depend on strength of non-con schedule a little bit for this whole mm-hmm. thing too. So, anyway, well, Nebraska's was, RPI last week when I looked at it was number four. Okay, so that that's the area you want to be, and we'll see what they can where they can keep that the rest of this year. All right, all right, um, yeah, and we still don't know. Uh, we are still counting votes in Arizona, in some places in California. Uh, a couple other house races here at this point. And so uh, if you haven't been following politics over the weekend, and I can't really blame you if you haven't, uh, but this uh, Democrats got wins in the Senate in Nevada and Arizona. So they now have 50, uh, 50 seats in the Senate, still one more pending from Georgia. That'll be decided via a special election. Uh, but that would mean that Democrats do have the majority in the Senate. The House, I think, is closer than a whole lot of people suspected. It still looks like Republicans are probably going to take a majority in the House, uh, which, you know, you, it, it, in terms of votes, that isn't so that a small majority. And who knows? We may be talking about two, three, four, five, uh, five seat majority in the House. The biggest the biggest thing about that still is control of the committees, control of the subpoena power, all of those things probably more so than having the numerical advantage yeah, for and votes. And they, they're able to, to just you know, simply stop a lot of the, the stuff that would be put forth by the Democrats. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and having the Speaker, obviously, at that point, controls a lot of what does and what doesn't get to the floor. Uh, so that would be another significant part of that. But uh, the Democrats getting the Senate is significant for, well, number one, if the House is in Republicans' hands, what gets to the floor at the Senate? And then number two, for appointments, if there were, for instance, a Supreme Court vacancy during the course of the next four years. Absolutely. Um, well, next that would, two. That would, yeah, sorry, next two years. Uh, that would be significant. Or, or and, and then just other judicial appointments, other other appointments that are responsible, that are the exclusive responsibility of the Senate to confirm. That's one of the other big things you might not think of other, other than beyond just voting on bills that comes along from this. So we'll see on the House, but um, closer closer than expected, but... Uh, every pundit seems to still say Republicans have the inside track of getting a slight majority there on that as well. 
Um, yeah, I heard it <laughs> described over the weekend as the uh, predicted red wave ended up being a pink trickle. And then uh, even in the Unicam, it doesn't look like the no. people who, who are Republican in the nonpartisan body are going to have a veto-proof majority. Filibuster-proof. Yeah, or fil- filibuster-proof majority yeah. on that whole thing. So that's, that's going to make things really interesting in the Nebraska legislature this year as well. So still, little, it's been almost a week, and we're still uh, getting fallout from the election. Had a little uh, new medical news over the weekend. I don't know whether you caught that. Um, What's that? Well, there was a doctor that had to amputate a toe and was able to use off-the-shelf instead of uh, you know these high-priced prosthetics, <laughs> and so they used a breath mint. A breath mint. Yeah. Now the patient's got a tic-tac-toe. One and a half out of ten. Oh, <laughs> Six twenty-five. That's the Russian judge. Uh, all right, we'll take a break. It's LNK today with Jack and friends on KLIN. At least he got this one. <laughs> Love KLIN. Tell us why with a voice message in the free KLIN app. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln, and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the sound off on LNK today. But first. Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. Well, first off, we ought to get back to last week and say congratulations to our winner this week, who was... Marie. Marie. She had 35 points was her selection. She loved that field goal with under two minutes to go in the game. She uh, made her a winner. It was the fourth smallest total that was actually guessed. Coach uh, A wanted that field goal to miss. Yeah, just missed out. Marie did get it, so Marie wins last week. She's going to get the $100 package from Valentino's and Alumni Hall. Uh, so we have two more weeks of this. This is the final full week now for Nebraska-Wisconsin, which, by the way, is an 11 o'clock game at Memorial Stadium. You can hear here on KLIN. And so let's do the final full week. We'll give you keywords this week every day, 635 and 810. Uh, and then next week we'll double up some of them between uh, Monday and Wednesday because we'll only have shows uh, Monday through Wednesday. So that is the plan for next week. Uh, but let's get going with this week. Your first keyword for Nebraska-Wisconsin is... Physical. <laughs> Physical. P-H-Y-S-I-C-A-L. One of my favorite words when talking about football. Um, <laughs> and the question that you are going to get, what is the longest punt by either team of the game. What is the longest punt? We have a feeling, and with the way that the Big Ten West has been kind of characterized as uh, a haven for lots of punting and great punting sometimes, uh, we will see what the longest punt of the game. We maybe should have saved that for Iowa, actually, but we're doing it this week. We're going to do it this week. The longest punt. Not net punt, by the way. This will not count the return this would be just the 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 length of the punt uh, from where the line of scrimmage was to where the ball was placed, and uh, either team, whoever whoever you want it, uh, whoever you think it's, you don't have to tell us, but just uh, give us a yard number if you get this pick. So text in that word physical to four zero two four seven nine fourteen hundred. All right. Uh, with that said. Uh, it is time to jump into our sound off today. Uh, what do we want to start with uh, here on this Monday? 
November 14th, 2022. Um, let's see. We, we had already talked a little bit about all the vote counting that is still going on around the country and how the balance of power for the House still hangs right now. Let's get a little bit more on that situation from Gernal Scott. Senator Chuck Schumer, who will remain majority leader, said the reason for the hold was simple. Democrats got a lot done that the American people cared about. The outlook is not as clear in the House, but Indiana GOP Congressman Jim Banks said on Fox News Sunday he believes his party will win back that chamber. It will be a very slim majority, but we have an opportunity over the next two years to be the last line of defense to block the Biden agenda. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she hasn't abandoned hope that Democrats can still keep their House advantage. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. Yeah, it's a lot of, I mean, for those of you who are really following this close, and I would not say I am one of those people, uh, I have checked a couple of times this weekend. It looks like there are a lot of races in California uh, that are still too close to call, mm-hmm. and, and in some various other states as well. And the Republicans need to win a lot fewer of those than do the Democrats to actually end up with the balance of power in the house but it's uh um it's I, I i guess probably you could say i think we could maybe all agree i'm not sure it seems to be closer than the experts i kept going to caleb that uh 538 uh thing as we were the last couple of weeks yeah. and they had um they had a 60 40 chance of republicans keeping the senate and uh that last day before election day that i did it and i can't remember what the house was but it was higher mm-hmm. it was quite a bit higher than that even um and so the uh, and and the other thing that happens is instead of that 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 special election that they're going to have in Georgia had had Nevada or Arizona gone differently gone for the Republican the eyes of the country on would have been on that thing because it <laughs> yeah. would have been not only for who's representing Georgia it, it had you know high profile name in it but it would have been for control of the Senate the heat's going to be taken off of that one just a little bit now. There's probably going to be less national interest in what happens there, even though just by nature of how crazy it's been, there's some, there's a lot of people who are going to be looking closely at it. But it's not going to have significance in terms of the balance of power in the Senate. You didn't know that when they first announced that it was happening. Uh, all right, a little bit more on the uh, on the future of of Congress. Uh, we got leadership decisions. A lot, lot of things we're going to find out here this week about this next congressional term and what it looks like. We know a Democratic Senate can confirm President Biden's nominations, and most importantly, even a Supreme Court justice should there be a vacancy. But that's about all we know. Republicans are trying to unpack why they lost when expectations were astronomical. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer believes Democrats prevailed because of former President Trump. Some congressional Republicans privately tell Fox they believe the former president dragged the party down in some regions. But other Republicans stand by the former president. Right now, Kevin McCarthy lacks the votes to become House Speaker. That leaves House Republicans scrambling. Some conservatives demand someone besides McCarthy. All right, so we've got that drama coming up next if Republicans do keep that margin in the House. And then speaking of Trump, who some are saying eh, maybe kind of time's up in terms of his appeal to voters all over the country, just in time for him to make a major announcement tomorrow night at Mar-a-Lago, what has been speculated very extensively 
him getting into the 2024 presidential race. Former President Donald Trump will announce something, though he won't say what, other than many people will like it. He's called a press conference to take place Tuesday evening at the Mar-a-Lago Club, the posh Palm Beach club he owns, and where he now resides. The speculation and bookmakers' bets are on his formally announcing he will seek the White House again in 2024. It is assumed the former president would campaign for the Republican Party's nomination, but nothing would stop him from running as an independent. In Broward County, Florida, Eben Brown, Fox News. And you do have media reports now, like I've got a, a report pulled up from CBS, and CBS is reporting that the announcement will be, unsurprisingly, that Trump intends to launch his 2024 presidential campaign. Um, nothing less than that. Not an exploratory committee um, or anything like that. The, the announcement will be that he is, in fact, launch, launching that 2024 campaign at that point. So, uh, and we will see. And then does the whole Trump DeSantis thing. Oh, yeah, that's tomorrow. Is that? Yeah, that's tomorrow. Oh, Tuesday. Tuesday in Florida. Florida. Where? Pronounce it right. Florida. Say it right. So put, put some respect on the Sunshine State. I, I am fascinated to see if this is this Trump DeSantis thing really going to ratchet up into into a war are they going to be the one and one a in this gop primary or is the one of them going to emerge as the favorite before the other kind of really gets his his feet on the ground i don't know i don't know but this is a it, it feels it feels very different than what you saw <laughs> even at the end of the at the end of the whole thing eight years ago but especially four years ago as well um. All right. Uh, Biden's got a very significant meeting here this week, uh, meeting Xi, Xi Jinping from China in person here. The president will hold his first ever one-on-one face-to-face meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping Monday. While many feel China is America's greatest economic and military threat and rival, the president feels that the fact that this is not the first time he'll be speaking to Xi is an advantage. I spend more time with many other world leader. I know him well. He knows me. Among the topics likely to be discussed, Taiwan's independence, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and the balance of trade between the U.S. and China. We have very little misunderstanding. We just got to figure out where the red lines are and what, we, what are the most important things to each of us. Kevin Uretsky, Fox News. All right. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the video of this or heard about it, but tragedy at an air show in Dallas. Um it was it was an air show featuring a mother, among other things some vintage planes um some world war 2 era planes some other planes as well and um tragedy as there was a collision in air while a whole bunch of people were underneath watching this thing the mid-air collision of a world war ii era bomber and a fighter plane was witnessed by as many as six thousand people at the wings over dallas air show a cause has not been determined but investigators from the national transportation safety board are leading the inquiry michael graham is an ntsb board member he says because they were vintage planes neither aircraft was equipped with a flight data recorder or a cockpit voice recorder, often known as the black box. Graham says a preliminary report may be available in about six weeks. A full investigation can take up to a year and a half. He also requested photos or video from spectators that may aid the investigation. Gernal Scott, Fox News. And there are quite a few videos out there, and the best way that I can describe it is this big 
this big kind of low flyage vintage World War II plane is is kind of coasting okay. fairly low, and then the small fighter comes up at a much higher speed and descending a little bit, and just descends right into you know descends into it from behind, mm-hmm. and you can see it basically. I mean, slices it in half. Wow! Uh, and they they both crash to the ground. Uh, there's you know an air show like that. There's plenty of video right. of of what happened, so they'll have a, a lot to look at there. But just I can't imagine being there. Something like that happens, no. and you could hear the people reacting. It was just horrified to see it right in front of them, um, uh, near that near that airfield. So uh, anyway, a sad story and and something I think they're really going to try and figure out uh, get getting to the bottom of exactly what caused this thing. Uh, all even, right. Even professionals make mistakes at times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we t- spent most of our social media talking time uh, uh, talking about Twitter for the last week or two. Uh, but Meta making a little bit of news here over the course of this weekend, Meta being Facebook and Instagram and, and everything connected to that. And who's really going really going hard on virtual reality is Meta. And it feels like we've had so many times during our kind of technological ages where people are like, oh, virtual reality is about, it's about to become ubiquitous. It's about to become this thing where people are, tons of people are playing games, tons of people are <laughs> watching movies or, or doing other sort of, you know, virtual reality type experiences, even in the workplace as well. And it is out there, but it's still far from ubiquitous by any means here at this point. But one of the things that Meta is going to try and do is try and keep an age-restricted situation in their virtual reality games and the kind of extended worlds that come for those as well. That's something they're going to put out officially here this week. Meta, the company that owns Facebook and other things, will today no longer permit apps on its Quest virtual reality platform that allows kids under the age of 13 to create user accounts. The policy supposedly has been in place for a while, but now the company, owned by Mark Zuckerberg, will enforce it. This includes the popular kids-oriented VR platform called Rec Room, which will still be accessible via PC and other consoles. Eben Brown, Fox News. All right. All you have to do is fill in a birthday on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works like, exactly. Or if you, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the case. Um, but it's... Uh, I don't know, have you, do you, are you, you probably don't have, this isn't one of those deals where you don't have kids the right age. Are you familiar with Roblox at all? I know Roblox, yeah. Do you? Okay. That's, so, that's my daughter's age yep. fascination right now, and I've, you know, it's the same thing when my son got really into Minecraft. See, mm-hmm. his his thing was Minecraft in those years. Hers is Hers is Roblox, and I watch them play those things, and I got to tell you what, that doesn't look fun at all. <laughs> and it's not because I'm a prude about video games or anything. I, I actually like, you know, as a 40-something-year-old guy, I actually like to right. play video games. These things look terrible. I was like, I was, I was watching her play, and I'm like, so what do you, what do you do? <laughs> it's just, it's just like you're walking around and going into houses and doing nothing. And so, anyway, for whatever that's worth. The future of video games looks crappy. <laughs> uh, hey, this will put you in the spirit, especially people like uh, those at my house who really want to kickstart the Christmas season right now. Elf was on TV last night. We watched a little bit of that. 
Of course, we got some Christmas lights going up in the neighborhood, I noticed, over the weekend. Well, and, and, and that was our poll of the week over the last week, if people started listening to Christmas music yet. Yeah, what was the number? 13% said yes. Good. 57% said no, not until after Thanksgiving. 9% not until December 1st. 12% not until Christmas itself. 9% bah humbug. Never. Okay. I'm pretty sure all 9% of those votes were from Mark Vale. <laughs> well, none of the, uh, there was no bah humbug uh, this weekend at the Rockefeller Center. Because if you uh, if you see it now, they've got their giant Christmas tree up already. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Feels like it, too. Well, not exactly. It's been in the upper 60s in Manhattan, and the decorations aren't out. But the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree arrived this weekend. A crane hoisted the 82-foot, 14-ton Norway spruce into place. Workers will attach 50,000 lights and a Christmas star with 3 million crystals. The tree will be lit up on November 30th. Sure, it's Christmas. Roger Stern, Fox News. They put the thing up. They don't light it for like two and a half weeks. Just leave it wow. there. All right. God, that's 60? A, yeah, I was going to say. How, do they, how are they affixing that thing? They probably don't just use one of those stands, right? <laughs> like the little red and green. Well, time to just screw this, screw this thing in. in the the, all right, little to the left. Little to the left on this whole thing. Um, all right, last but not least, we'll end it on this, our, uh, our weekend box office. What movies were you seeing this weekend? A long-awaited Marvel sequel debuts at number one. Killing you. We'll risk eternal war. He's coming. Disney's Black Panther Wakanda Forever opening with 180 million in domestic ticket sales, making it the second biggest opening of the year. Worldwide, the sequel earned 330 million. Black Adam drops to second place, adding 8.1 million and bringing its domestic total to over 151 million. The romantic comedy Ticket to Paradise rounds out the top three with 6.1 million in ticket sales in its fourth week in theaters. Kathleen Maloney, Fox News. I mean. It feels like you can't go wrong with Julia and George Clooney. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not looking to see a rom com necessarily, but Julia and George Clooney in that third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got the. Uh, what are we? Uh, are you going to see Wakanda Forever? Have you seen it already? So What's going on? We're actually planning to because it's an early kickoff this Saturday. Yeah, my parents are coming to town. Nice. So Good they're gonna, they're going to hang out. They're going to hang out with Millie throughout the game. I'm going to be at the game. Yep. I'll get home. We'll figure out what the show time is, and then Megan and I are going to go have a date night. Nice. Well, good. And it's my birthday this Saturday. Think, well, wow. Everything's coming up, Kit. Maybe Nebraska even get you a win that you're covering. Let's hope that'd so. Be, that'd be nice. Nothing would once. be more Nebraska than to finish the year 5-7 and seven now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll take a break. That's it for your sound off. It's 654, 30 degrees in the capital city on Lincoln's News and Talk, 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 29 degrees in the capital city, mid-30s today, mid-30s really all all week, and then actually Friday looks like the coldest day of the week, uh, and then uh, it looks like Thanksgiving week, actually, we, we warm up a bit, uh, I do see a 50 right now for uh, Tuesday the 22nd, 
uh, maybe more like 40s for uh, for Thanksgiving Day. So mm. uh, that's good enough. That's good enough, I think, for the backyard football game with a family. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm thinking of people just taking, like, frozen stingers for the backyard football. Yeah, right now in the, uh, let's see, the extent of forecast I'm looking at, a uh, high of 44 there on uh, on Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> Sunny skies, 34 or 44. Yeah, that's good. That's that's absolutely doable. Here's the thing, though. Just not not too windy. We're going to be at Grandma's house yeah. where it's 85 degrees That's a good inside. point. That's still, uh, again, rule of thumb, if the forecast temperature is above freezing, I recommend, to those who want to follow my lead, I recommend uh, cargo shorts for indoor holidays anytime the forecast is above freezing. Removable layers are your, uh, yes. are so, your friend. As it stands right now, I am um, I'm planning a very cargo Thanksgiving here at this point. We'll see. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, coming up, we'll see if anything happens with the Nebraska coaching search, you know, in the next few minutes or so. Uh, plus, we'll get a little talk on Nebraska-Michigan. It's 7 o'clock on KLI and Lincoln. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 29 degrees in the capital city. It is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on a Monday morning, November 14th, 2022. Glad to have you back with us. Jack Mitchell along with Caleb Henry in the KLIN studios. Mark Valen, the KLIN newsroom. we got your morning drive coming up here in about 25 minutes. We'll count, to, we'll count down the five things people are talking about today. Dirk Chatlin joins us a little bit later. We acknowledged earlier that the, the uh, coaching rumors are coming in hot and heavy in the last 12 hours. We still don't have anything that is confirmed here at this point, uh, but we did acknowledge that uh, the name that seems to be out there on a whole lot of people's uh, lips is Matt Rule right now, uh, the former Carolina Panthers head coach, the former Baylor and Temple head coach. But again, nothing. Uh, in fact, there's, we still don't have even, I would say, not only is, is KLIN not reporting anything on this, but I haven't seen any Husker media member that has actually gone, or a Bruce Feldman or a Brett McMurphy or any of uh, the college football kind of writers that have gone out and said anything <clears throat> that said there there does seem to be some smoke here at this mm-hmm. point so we'll see if uh even during the course of the next hour that we do have either one of those um either somebody here either somebody that's at a, a another um a, a lo- another local media member or one of those national writers who often talks to agents who has something before this show is over of course if that this happens we'll jump in and uh and let you know that that is the case uh but real quick Caleb getting to getting to the game on Saturday yeah. and yeah. it did you know it did kind of go i think how a lot of people thought that it would Nebraska's offense struggled uh, the defense had its moments, but in you know in the end, um, Michigan piled up a, a good amount of yards in the running game. Um, finally, ended up ended up putting the game out of reach. Well, with Nebraska's the way Nebraska's offense was, it's it might have been it was out of reach when they scored a touchdown. Right, um, but, but all Michigan had to do was just. Play mistake-free right. football. Like, right. they didn't have to do anything special. Yeah, and, and and again, I think even despite what the scoreboard said at the end, you could say uh, Nebraska's defense, you know, held up. 
it, it, it's still come a long way, this defense mm-hmm. has. And, and they had their own moments, especially in the first half, got worn down a little bit as the game went on. But you also, of course, when it rains, it pours, doesn't it? Uh, Chubba Purdy, after all we had talked about for the last two weeks, looks as good as he has in game experience at that the beginning of the best, Michigan game. He that was, was his picking, best looking drive since the first two drives from the last he game. was he was he was connecting on some short passes he was picking he was scrambling with some confidence and he was picking up third downs when yeah. he was scrambling he was doing a good job kind of picking that whole area and it took about 5 minutes after that for him to have an awkward sort of slide not slide not slide he looks like he was between decisions yeah. on what to do yeah. he was almost a can I make this guy miss, or should I just slide? And then when you're between that, the slide's not going to look very good. And on top of the slide not looking good, the guy hit him. Yes. Because the guy was, was just, like, you're not really sliding. It was the definition of awkward, physically awkward. Yes. Um, and so he was he was out. He was injured. Uh, Logan Smothers came in after that. Um Mickey said after now I don't know if this was I mean there was there was some talk that Logan wasn't a hundred percent going into this game. Uh, Mickey said I know on his TV show and maybe you heard him say this elsewhere that he's not a hundred percent here at this point. And yeah, even, he said it after the game on Saturday. Too. Yeah, even did he? I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't have a chance to pay super close attention Saturday after the game, but. It it sounds like to the point that he may even have some question about his availability this coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where Casey Thompson is for this Saturday. I don't know where where Chubba Purdy is for this Saturday, right? For and, that matter. So that would be all three, the top three quarterbacks. And so what I that don't leaves know. is the other quarterbacks that traveled with you. You had Matt Masker and Jarrett Sinek, the quarterbacks, the walk on quarterbacks from Central Nebraska. Jarrett Sinek went out, played three snaps, handed it off three times at the very end, redshirt freshman. Your other quarterbacks that are on scholarship, Heinrich Harburg, Richard Torres, neither of them traveled. Yeah. Why is that, by the way? I do not know. Okay. I wondered if you, yeah. It's it's odd, isn't it? It is It is odd. when you're When you're down, when you have this many scholarship quarterbacks, um, especially that are Harburg's the same age as Senek. So if, if one's on scholarship and the other's not, you would think that one on scholarship would travel, yeah. right? Um, it makes sense to not take Torres. He's, he's in his true freshman year, and um, you can only take so many guys on the trip anyway. So that, that okay. to me, makes sense. But when you're going apples to apples, Senek and Harburg, you right. would think you'd take the one on scholarship. So it makes you wonder what what's going on exactly there with with uh, something like that. And then were that not enough, you're like, oh my goodness, Purdy's finally, you know, Purdy has finally seems to he 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 seemed like he was just moving at a million miles an hour, like in the in the first two games and a little bit against Michigan, where it's just like you just need to take a deep breath, yeah, take a deep breath and and you know trust yourself a little bit. And he was starting. He was starting to look like he was doing that. It had a yeah. good drive going at, at that point. He looked comfortable for and, the first time in a long time. And and he goes out, um, and, and and he goes out, Nebraska gets the field goal uh, eventually, and then on the ensuing kickoff, 
And it looked like Whipple was kind of settling in with him in the way that he was calling yeah, plays. Yeah, the very next drive that Michigan has it, play goes to the Nebraska sideline. It was the kickoff return. Was it the kickoff return? Mm-hmm. I thought it was the it was a run play on the next drive. No, I'm pretty sure it was the, the kickoff return after the field goal, right? It could have been. It was. Yeah. All, it all ran together there. But yeah, the play goes to the Nebraska sideline, and the ball carrier gets tackled into and rolls up Whipple who's then on the ground for a little bit and mm-hmm. having medical staff attend to him. Um, after a while, he does get up, looks super wobbly getting to the bench and just sitting down. Eventually, they get to halftime because there was only one more series for Nebraska to come out, you know, not mm-hmm. really do anything. Um, they bring a card out to get Whipple to the locker room. And then in later, in, it was late in the third quarter, we finally get the report that Whipple's up in the booth to call plays, but he had been standing on that sideline ready to call plays before halftime. Medical staff holding on to him, him still with the headset and the play sheet in his hand. I'm he like, was doing that, and I was like, I saw Michigan had the ball, and there was almost, I was like, okay, Nebraska's not going to have a drive any for, like, just let's go take care of him. Nebraska's, it's it, at, at very most, are probably going to be downing it if they get the ball back. Right. Like, why are we, why are we studying the play sheet right now? I, I suppose if there was an interception or something, you needed to be ready, but it looked very unlikely. Um, yeah. So, and of course, he's he's had some mobility issues already during the course of this year, um, and uh, it's just so it's like when it rains, it pours. Man, are you kidding? Like, what is next? And it's not. I'm not saying Nebraska was cruising to win that game, but let's be honest, they were playing. They were playing, I think, better than expected in the first half, especially the the defense and the offense had a gets a I mean, you want to go back to the beginning of it. Offense gets a big play on that first drive to Marcus Washington, get to a third and third and manageable that might have been four down territory, and you got a false start. Yep. And then a few minutes later, you've got another false start. That is just both of them. Both of those false starts took Nebraska out of places in drives where they were, you know, they had a little momentum. They looked like they were going to maybe be able to get some points on those. And, and um, yeah, it, it, it put Nebraska behind the eight ball early. And then, and here's then what's the been wheels fell off. more baffling than because we're just used to the false starts by the offensive line, right? What's been baffling over the course of this year is the number of wide receiver drops. The number of times, and I think yeah. we, we had tight end drops on Saturday. Right too. before Chubba got hurt, there were two or three of them. So there's the part that we see the quarterbacks struggling a little bit, but they're not getting helped out a lot by their pass catchers. There were a lot of drops. As a matter of fact, I think I, I saw a graphic yesterday that Nebraska's wide receiving core for Power 5 schools, I think, leads the country or is top three for drop rate Jeez. And as a room. And that's something that we can see. I even I tweeted out on Saturday. I was like, what's what's going on with Trey Palmer? Because you got to try to find a way to get him the ball. He's a playmaker. But he had multiple drops on Saturday. You had other guys dropping the ball in space, like not, not getting hit. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you drop a ball, but like you're getting hit. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'd probably drop the ball if I got hit too. Right. But when you're all alone and it's not a bad ball, that's yeah. the part that, that makes it really hard to put so much blame on where we've seen at times smothers struggle. A lot of time over the last few games, Purdy struggle. When we saw Casey Thompson was 7 for 14 before he got hurt on that last interception and out of the game the last time we saw him, he was struggling, 
but there were a few drops in there as well. He could have been 10 for 14 and in a completely different situation. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> now you go into this Wisconsin game. Um, Wisconsin coming off a loss to Iowa. Um, and they're still not. So they're fifth in the division right now, one game back. They're technically not out of it. They could still. With yes. two games to go. They could still win the. Yeah, everybody but Nebraska and Northwestern could still win the Correct. division. Um, you go into this game now. Either, I mean, of your three top quarterbacks, you don't know if any of them are going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. We might know more about that tomorrow uh, when Mickey Joseph speaks. I don't know what the status of Mark Whipple is going to be right? Uh, in terms of his ability to call the game. And I also don't know if there's going to be some kind of a, an announcement about the coaching staff prior to that game and what's happening next year. And does that include Mickey Joseph? Right. And will we know that before the game? So, well, and if if you make let's say an announcement comes out today, let's yeah. just let's play play that out for just a second. Let's say an, an announcement comes out today, and it is going to be rule. Which, by the way, if it's happening this week, today's the day that it would happen. Yeah, there's no no press. Availability there's no press today. availability. You get for you can't you know further into the week. You don't want to interfere with the game. Yeah. I don't think right. Right. So so it would make sense today because. You don't want to do it on a morning, and then all of a sudden the coaches have to talk about it. Right. It would be a Sunday or a Monday, but yes. Um, so you make that announcement. Let's say there are players that were the, I wanted Mickey as the head coach, or, okay, now I know it's not this other coach I kind of wanted. Do they hit the portal? Do, do do they not play this week? I don't know. That seems rash, but I guess I could. I guess I that, well, it, it would be the possible. It would be the same thing as the... When the head coach gets fired, sometimes you see guys hit the portal. Now Nebraska mm-hmm. didn't have that. Yeah. Which that has its own storyline. Yeah. But it's the same thing when you fire or hire a coach, the players that are there, they like what that coach's system has or they don't like what's going out, so they hit the portal. Yeah. There is that potential. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but when you have coaching changes outgoing or incoming, that's one of the the decisions guys have to make, and we'll we'll talk more about this at eight ten when we kind of see what the um, if there's any news at eight ten uh, to report to you. But if and when there's an if there in, if and when there's an announcement of a head coach other than Mickey Joseph, you can bet the first question that the new coach and or Trev Alberts is going to get is, are what, you retaining? What is the status of Mickey yes. Joseph on this staff? Um, and if, if they do do something before the end of the season, do they lock that up? I almost think they have to lock that up prior to, prior to going public with this thing for a variety of reasons. I think you would too. So yeah, because I wouldn't, I would hate to have that, that, that coach come out, you introduce them, they get that question right away and they say, well, that's a conversation I have to have with Mickey. Yeah, I feel like you got to have that conversation already. And then you've got two games left. <laughs> you've got two games left, and you got a recruiting sort of going on at that point as well, mm-hmm. which you've got several recruits who have committed to Mickey for for this next year, and it's not something you can leave hanging in the breeze. And in fact, I can't imagine you wouldn't take, take you wouldn't clarify what's happening. Immediately, mm-hmm. immediately at that at that press conference, but we'll I, see. I'm it, also it, curious if Trev, over the course of this search, has talked with with Mickey as a, hey, is this someone that 
that you think you'd like to work with? I wonder if like those conversations and they've just played that out. Yeah. I, I feel like the, those two guys can have a, a good enough professional relationship and personal relationship that they can have those co- those honest conversations. Yeah. Well, guys, I'm gonna, I mean, in, in all honesty, I am hopeful before this show is over, we are able to give you some more uh, some more clarity on whether something is going to happen today or not, as some people seem to think. Just to repeat, we don't have that confirmed yet. Um, as far as I can tell, you don't have any local or national media that is confirming that there is going to be any kind of an announcement today, although social media seems to be abuzz with it right now. And I, I think it's fair to say that there is some some real smoke associated with this as well, but not to the point yet where we or anybody else are, are reporting it. So we're going to keep seeing what we can do on that. All right, let's grab a break. It's 724. we got sports coming up next, plus your morning drive in 10 minutes on KLIN. Want today's top news stories? Top Husker stories? You can get them sent straight to your inbox every afternoon. Just sign up for the daily for free at KLIN.com. KLIN. All right, let's get things started right away with... Number five. Social media buzz uh, in a way it hasn't been during Nebraska's coaching search with former Carolina Panthers, Baylor, and Temple head coach Matt Rule being at the center of it. Guys, uh, you've said repeatedly that nothing with this rumor has been confirmed yet by KLIN or any other local or national outlet that we're aware of. But watching the situation, are yeah, you? I, th- that's all we can we can say. I mean, we've had so many people ask about it that it's you know it's hard to not acknowledge that it's out there right now. Um, I, I, I would say that what you said is exactly right, Mark. That we we haven't confirmed it. There's been there's been nothing official, obviously, from the university on this. There's been uh, no there, no actual public report from any of the many media entities that cover Nebraska football on this. There's not been a uh, a random tweet from a Brett McMurphy or a Bruce Feldman on this yet. None of those things have happened as of 7.40 this morning. But I would also say there seems to be a lot of smoke here from from hearing people who think what is going on. But I can't, But beyond that, no confirmation, um, and so we're waiting for something like that. I would think we will have a, a maybe before the show is over, we'll have a better sense. And 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 then there's just me thinking that my own frustration with the way that nine oh one seems to be a time when news breaks, Mark, whether it's sports <laughs> so or political or any other news. And if, this morning if, there'll be concerts announced at 9.01. Yeah, yeah, as soon as 9.01, when, when, when news breaks at 9.01, it is, my, it is my frustration in life. It is a pet peeve of mine when news <laughs> breaks at 9.01. The longest possible time before we get on the air again. So it'll probably happen that way. So watch your... Uh, Watch your inboxes. Watch your Twitter feeds at nine oh one this morning. But no, that's that's um, that's what we can tell you. We got a lot of people asking. That's what we can tell you. There's no confirmation anywhere. We acknowledge that it's the 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 level of activity discussion on this is different than we've seen. But would you agree with me that Caleb? Uh, just the the buzz right now on this is different than we've seen at any it point is. during this coaching search to the point that it does really make you wonder if there's something there. It, it is. And 
anyone who's tracking flights and you hear you see some of the reports on Twitter but not necessarily from the national media guys or and not necessarily from the local media guys as official reports but there just seems to be a lot more smoke about anything today and it's very different than a couple of Thursdays ago when you had oh is there a board of regents meeting yeah. are they are they going to talk about something and then that whole all of that fallout today feels a lot more tangible than anything yeah. we've had over this coaching search yeah yeah exactly <laughs> the 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 things that are being said are specific uh and so we we should we'll know today if they're if they're true or not so at some point, this whole thing has to be over. Whether it's now or whether it's uh, two weeks from now, we'll find out soon. We, we are in the end game. Yeah. And we, don't, we know there's no, there's, there's no smoke out of Kansas this time of the year, so we know the, That's the smoke. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so. That is true. Uh, we got uh, Matt Olberding, the Journal Star, uh, released a story yesterday about the former Knowles Golf Course and the next plans there, some proposals for both commercial and uh, non-commercial uh, residential they're pretty uh, pretty interesting proposal there that going before the planning commission yeah the, i mean that you still got a bunch of land there and about 20 uh, acres i think the busalis family still owns this thing and um so yeah they're talking about commercial meaning meaning the things that matt's uh, article mentioned were medical office space bank branch uh, premier sit down restaurant as well um but timeline on this looks like they would go into it uh next year at this point and it's still it's still crazy because the Knowles was just such a uh i I don't know it was just such a standard in that part of town for me growing up and well before that i was even here i mean 50 years plus in business at uh and then in close things up in november of 2015 after all of that, um, a really nice, really nice uh, retirement community there. Uh, I know, and and now they've got that land there. That's, I mean, boy, it's really, I mean, it's really good land right there on on Old Cheney. And and there's not too many times, Mark, where you just happen across yep. that many acres of lands in the in land in the middle of town. Yep, uh, on a on a major street and close to a couple of very major intersections and there. of course the growth that uh, is going to be taking place in southwest lincoln now with warhorse yeah uh, getting underway you know the, that's true you're not far from that yeah and and the double decker triple decker five right. story uh, maybe roundabout that's not going to we don't yeah. know what's going to happen there but yeah absolutely but, uh, you know with all of the uh, expansion at uh, south point just to the the other side of that square mile um it's an area targeted for growth. Now, this is, by the way, this is upscale housing, the the, the housing portion of this, right, by the way. These are what, villas? Yeah, villas. So, what you're seeing, at, I mean, they're, they're looking at competition, according to Matt's piece, uh, you know, from Firethorn, the Ridge, Wilderness Ridge type sure. stuff. So. Yeah, basically type types of houses that that I'm definitely going to buy. So, is what that is. Okay, that radio salary houses is what they call that. You mean you're going to do that and study your penthouse? Yeah, I don't know. I've got a, it's it's getting hard now. <laughs> all these to be all made. these places I want to live. I got the lead place penthouse. They're building the new the new one over there by the Haymarket that's going to be taller. I want to know what kind of a view I can get there. I heard they were going to have cabanas on the roof of that one, which is a nice draw. It's something I've been looking for for a long time. Obviously, the Beatrice vacation home, very luxurious. 
Um, it's my real estate holdings game with Lincoln adding more real estate, luxury real estate, obviously, is something that I'm having to put some thought into here at this. So I'm either going to need to get rid of some of these properties or I'm going to get need to get another job to well, maintain uh, my lifestyle. If, if you happen to be appointed to the Senate, would you consider uh, the, a political type house at Big Sandy? <laughs> Yes, but only. It, I mean, it'd be closer to the airport. That's Omaha. true. I need to be at Big Sandy yeah. until until I get until Dragon Lake gets built, and I can you know, I can really design from the bottom up. But yeah, that's a good point, Mark. That's yeah. another one that. Which I mean, the, all these holdings, either that I have or I want to have, it's very difficult. Oh, it's like it's like a game of Monopoly, essentially. Put them on VRBO, then. <laughs> that's good. You get a little income going from these sure, things. Absolutely. Stay in Jack Mitchell's lead place penthouse. You know, uh, go go ahead, see a show, pick a night, you got a nice show, pick a night, you got a nice uh, Husker game. Mark, we call that a side hustle. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll make enough up from VRBO guests to cover my, uh, yeah. my monthly mortgage on those places. The mortgage? Uh, just, you know. You know, take that uh, box out from under your mattress and just pay cash. Oh, just pay cash? Yeah. That's, that's a good And by idea. the way... I hadn't thought of that. The, the side hustle <laughs> deal is a reference to last week's uh, Lincoln Business Beat podcast. It's up at KLA. Oh, yeah? Because we talk about part-time jobs. It's kind of called a side hustle. Nice. I need I'm, I need to find one of those here. If these, <laughs> these, uh, all they keep putting up, these places I want to live. All right. <laughs> Number three. Heading into the midterm, voting uh, rights groups were worried. Restrictions in Republican-leading states triggered by false claims about the 2020 election might jeopardize access to the ballot box. But those worries didn't appear to come true. There have been no widespread reports of voters being turned away at the polls. And the turnout, while down from the last midterm cycle four years ago, appeared robust in Georgia, a state with a hotly competitive contest for governor and U.S. Senate, and still contest for u.s senate i figure and maybe it'll still happen mark but i figured that there would uh, like every election from now on the people who lose it are going to say that it was rigged uh at least at, at some level somewhere and I, I haven't heard a lot of that yet so maybe i was a little pessimistic about our country here good maybe, maybe we'll hear about it tomorrow night that's true <laughs> you know what you're right <laughs> You're right. We very we very well could. But honestly, though, in terms of the candidates, you know, you just you haven't heard a lot of that. And you thought maybe that you would. Um, and I, I find that to be a good thing. Um, I do. So we'll see. But, yeah, votes still being counted. And, and if you missed it from this weekend, uh, Democrats will have control of the Senate. What, no matter whatever happens in Georgia, you still don't have a side that is locked up a majority in the House, although virtually every pundit who talks about it that I've heard uh, on on any side of the aisle says it looks like Republicans will are trending toward having that by I'll a be, very I'll be slim, at, I'll be at a slim margin a slim margin as opposed to the massive turn that they expected yes yes all right moving on number two another big change for Twitter Elon Musk uh, says uh, they're gutting the teams that battle misinformation their outsourced moderators have been told they're being let go. Twitter and other major social media firms relied on those contractors to, as they say, ferret out hate speech or other harmful content. But uh, with Twitter, most of those workers are going away. All of the conversation about Elon Musk coming in and taking this thing was about this type of stuff, Mark, about 
moderation and misinformation and free speech and who's getting banned and who's not getting banned. And you know what? The first few weeks of Elon's reign at Twitter has been about none of that stuff. Not much of that stuff, I should say. (laughs) It's been about unbelievably ridiculous decisions with blue check marks that I still, I mean, I still can't believe there wasn't anybody in the room that said, what are you even thinking? (laughs) They had to shut it down. That we're not saying to him, get a hold of yourself, Elon. You have successfully made billions of dollars. How can that brain be saying the things now that it is and have done that in the past? It's uh, it's unreal. I can't believe it's the same guy. I mean, I just can't. We can and we can argue about whether we like him, uh, whether he like his his politics or the stuff on the free. That's not what it's about. It's about the dumb, the ridiculous idea of taking the existing symbol that exists to verify true versus fake accounts and then also using that same symbol to indicate that someone has bought a premium subscription to your website essentially it's i mean it is unthinkably confusing and dumb and again what he needs to have is a blue check mark and a red check that's it that your mark you just you just passed elon musk in smartness about twitter with that with those few words Thank you. You make change the color, change the symbol. I don't care. What, but you, to you go got, with the exact same one, left and right, blue and red. <laughs> so it's so. Oh my gosh! For seven bucks, wasn't he down to eight, seven? Eight. Eight. It's eight bucks. Eight bucks. I. I well, maybe they cut you a special deal, but I think it's eight for everybody else still yeah. to get that blue one. Uh, Which, I, by the way, why are you doing? Why are you doing? You're. The, the reason people are doing it, in a lot of cases, is to appear like they're a real brand. And then somebody made an account with the premium account and said they were Eli, Eli Lilly and said they were going to be giving away free insulin. Well, guess what? Eli Lilly had a major problem on their hands because they were giving away free insulin and people thought it was real. Uh-huh. And their stock price plummeted after that happened. Uh, and so I think... Yeah, you're going to start to have some major brands slash major advertisers that are, are going to be going to them if they haven't already, and they're saying, "Well, what are you doing? They, they already did, and that's why they shut down the Twitter blue process. Is that done? Okay, I didn't even realize that was done. They are, re- they are evaluating where to go forward with it. Well, who could have saw this coming? <laughs> Everyone? <laughs> For $8 a month, you can plummet uh. someone's stock price. Legit, I mean, I, oh. it, I, I, it, it does make you wonder. Buy low, sell high. He definitely has been successful in other arenas, but it makes you wonder how with the way that this is going. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe I'll be wrong. Number one, an iconic house up for sale in Cleveland, the one that was used in the filming of A Christmas Story in 1983, located in Cleveland's Tremont neighborhood, officially placed on uh, the market, I guess, early this morning. Uh, neighboring properties associated with the house are also included in the sale. Feature a total of 1.3 acres, including a museum and gift shop, three parking lots, two empty lots, and the asking price, well, we don't know yet. Okay, so, so it's got a... So they've already made it into a bit of an attraction, and they're selling the thing? Sounds like it. Okay, somebody's got to somebody's gotta presu- preserve that, right? And, Why? And... 
Preserve that for the memories. Why? Of that movie. Nostalgia. Go watch the movie. Did you see that they're making a... Uh, It'd be a, one thing if it was a good movie. Okay. You can... Whoa. <laughs> you don't believe that. <laughs> I, I knew the reaction I was going to get from you. You do not believe this. Don't. Oh. Take that back. Oh, take that man. back. Run a retraction. <laughs> uh, they're making an updated version, uh, I think, on HBO Max this year, which I don't have. Uh, but they're they're showing Ralphie as an adult now, and and uh, like a bunch of the kids yes. are still still in it, and I'm kind of excited to see that. Uh, I don't have HBO Max, so I'll have to go over to Caleb's house. But he thinks it's a bad movie, so no, you're invited. Just don't bring breakfast pizza. I just <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch it with you anymore. <laughs> Seven fifty five. It's LNK today with Jack and friends. That's your morning drive. Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. Here the. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. We'll see. If, if we got news to tell you during the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to tell you. I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of why you do a news and talk radio show, I suppose. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of the goal of the whole thing. Uh, we also have Dirk Challen joining us at 835 uh, and, you know, we'll see what's in the news at 8.35 to discuss at, at 8.35. Uh, right now, I can tell you this for certain. It is uh, 29 degrees in the capital city. Cloudy, a little bit gloomy out here on this uh, mid-November morning. Uh, but we're going to keep going for another hour. So stick around, plus another fancy Husker keyword in 10 minutes. 8 o'clock, KLIM Lincoln. From the Momo, live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital. City. This is Ellen K. Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it is time for another keyword. Your chance to win that $50 prize package, well, $100 prize package, two $50 gift certificates to Valentino's and Alumni Hall. This week we're asking, what is the longest punt between the two teams, Nebraska and Wisconsin, in their game on Saturday? What is the longest punt? Again, this is not net yards. This does not factor in the return. This is simply the distance of the punt. And by the way, if it goes in the end zone, you take those 20 yards away. So. Uh, it's a touchback on that one. So, well, those twenty yards would go away on the net. It would. Okay. All right. Fair yeah, enough. That, then forget that I said that. However, it's recorded in the stats. Uh, but nonetheless, that's what we're picking this week. Uh, so whatever the box score says. Now, uh, your keyword this week is physicality. P H Y S. I never use this word, so I don't know how to spell it. P H Y S I C A L. I-T-Y. Yes. Okay, physicality. Uh, text that into the Rickstein Recognition text line at 402-479-1400, and uh, you'll get a pick to uh, decide what the longest punt of the game is. Uh, just make sure and get that sent right away, uh, and we'll text you back if you are our winner. Uh, all right, coming up, we got Dirk Chatlin in about 25 minutes. Um, d- don't have I, – I, I wish I could tell you, guys, that – We've got more that we can tell you definitively on the rumors that are floating around right now on Nebraska's coaching search, but we don't yet. Um, 
so what do I mean by that? There's no official media report from any media entity confirming the rumors uh, about perhaps Matt Rule being um, on the verge of taking the Nebraska coaching job or being announced as taking the Nebraska coaching job. But it's almost impossible not to talk this morning and not acknowledge that it is out there everywhere. I am. What I can tell you is I've had several people who are hearing it and who are texting me um, and several people who are um, who would be able to, I guess, discern, I would think, about something that is an Internet rumor and something that there's a real smoke to. But again, nothing, nothing official yet. I was hoping maybe at 8 a.m. we might hear something. We might be able to clarify something for you, but we can't here at this point. Uh, if if there would be an announcement today, again, if there would, I, d- I don't know that there will be, but if there would, you would think, Caleb, it would need to be, um, it would need to be an spelled out here pretty soon within the next yeah hour or hour to hour and 40 i would say i would assume before 10 a.m so and the reason for that time frame is because people do this during coaching searches is look up flights to and from certain places and there is a flight early this afternoon out of omaha going to charlotte so you would think if that were the case you would want to have that announcement have that press conference this morning if you're going to have that this morning you need to give some heads up to get the press yeah. and everybody convened for it. And these, yeah, <clears throat> yes. So if there's not something here in a while, you'll you'll start to get the sense that, okay, maybe, maybe this is not something that is happening immediately, uh, but we're continuing to watch for that. Uh, I guess a larger discussion, regardless, Caleb, is if Nebraska is naming someone who is not Mickey Joseph, as as this uh, as the next head coach, what is the timing going to be? And I think we've always kind of thought, okay, well, if it's somebody who's coaching a college team right now, you almost certainly can't make that announcement until they finish their season, right? So if you're talking about one of the many names that has come up, the the Arandas or the Leipolds uh, or the Scads of other coaches who are coaching a co- college team. You're not going to make that announcement until the end of basically after Thanksgiving weekend, unless you have one of these guys who's actually in a conference championships and that might championship. So that might be yet another week for this thing. But if you have someone who is not currently coaching a college team, and obviously that would be someone like Matt Rule, there's a few other guys who have been mentioned that fit that bill. Does it make sense to do it before the season? is over and i think it does for a variety of reasons to me it does i think it does for a variety of reasons number one just from a straight up kind of pr perspective as you can see once rumors start picking up (laughs) it once once you you've gone down that path people are going to start finding out that is going to spread incredibly quickly so that's one of the reasons that you do it is to say okay we're going to get something official out there instead of the internet just blowing up with this for two weeks and and nobody saying it and the the national college media reporting something like that as well that's number one uh number two the set the second reason is they've they've now clinched that they're not going to a bowl game okay i think that's significant in this whole thing Mm -hmm. 
the Michigan loss, if you pulled off the big upset, that bowl game dream was still alive if you could go 2-0. and That's not there anymore. Um, and so there seems to be kind of something symbolic about that right now as well and what what the rest of the season feels like that with that off of the table. And then a number three, uh, Caleb, I think it just makes sense to get, you know, if there's going to be a transition, the more weeks that you get to work on that transition, the better. Yes. Right? However that can look, however that can look two weeks into the season. So it wouldn't, if it is someone who is not currently coaching a college team, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. In fact, if if they went ahead, in fact, I think they would do it. I think they would do it almost as soon as, as they had it done. Well, let's go back to when Trev Alberts made the announcement that Scott Frost was fired. What was one of the things he said on why they made the decision at that time? It was because there were nine weeks in the season remaining and a lot left to play for. Yeah. Now, you could still say that there's a lot left to play for. You haven't beaten Wisconsin in almost a decade. You've lost several years in a row to Iowa. Those would still be wins that are significant for your program. Yes. But they're not putting you into a bowl game. So right. there, there is significantly less to play for mm-hmm. besides the individual games and what those individual games mean over the course of those all-time series. So if you were to make a move and it is somebody who's not currently coaching somewhere else, whether it was Mickey Joseph or it is a, a, a Matt right. Rule, Mickey someone too. else, like this is the time that you would make that announcement to signal your recruits, that you can start building a staff. You have all of that momentum. It's the timing portion of it. And Trev Alberts has been consistent on what are you going to, what, what are the ways you're going to maximize the timing of a decision? He did that with the firing of Scott Frost. Yep. And I think he's going to do that with the hiring of whoever is announced as the next full-time head coach of Nebraska football. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're. I, I I think you're spot on with that. And so we are in we are in a territory where this could be happening in that group. And and you make a good point. If it were to be Mickey, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, even though it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a great opportunity to do it coming off a, a blowout loss. Uh, at I mean, Michigan. he's coming off of a blowout loss. Rule is coming off That's of being true. fired in the NFL. There's going to be a perception no matter who you go with if they're not currently coaching. Yeah, you know, because the reason that you would not be currently coaching is something probably went wrong, or you've been out of it for a right. few years. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I I feel like if it is one of those things, if there's something wrapped up uh, with anyone who's not coaching another team right now, you would hear it either either this week or 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 next week. Caleb at the beginning of next week as well. I think the I think time is of the essence with this sort of thing. If you go through those two weeks and don't hear anything, I think it would be more likely than that there's still a hire to come that is somebody who is coaching college football elsewhere. So um yeah, yeah, that's my deal on this. And 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 then here's the other thing. We talked about this. Whenever this introduction is, if it's a coach that's not Mickey Joseph, the first question of either Trev or the coach, whoever's up there taking questions first, you know what it's going to be, guys. You know what it's going to be. The question is going to be, what is Mickey Joseph's uh, status right now within a potential new staff? Correct. And And that's, that's a big question right at the top. And to me, 
uh, you know, you, you certainly could have an answer where you know if you're a if you're Trav or you're you're the new coach and you say, look, Mickey's in the middle of of uh, he's got his hands full right now being an interim coach. He's done a great job with that. When we've got time after the season, um, we're we're going to have some conversations. But Mickey needs to have room to be able to 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 do the job that he's doing right now. You could say that, but Caleb, I think that Trev is savvy enough to what Mickey means right now to the program Mm -hmm. and maybe to the fan base as well, which is less important that I would be a little surprised if there is an early announcement of someone else that if it doesn't also confirm what's happening with Mickey, most likely in that case, which most likely in that case, if you're going to say it, then would be, he's going to be a put. Yes. I I want him. I want him to be a part of my staff. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been, you know, following what's going on with him. I had a chance to meet with him uh, or whatever, whatever it is like that. I don't think you're going to have to wait to figure out what's happening there. That's just, and, and by the way, that's just me. That's me a hundred percent just speculating, but it's also me trying, you know, being realistic about what that situation is going to be yeah. and what Trav and the new coach are going to be trying to do. And, what the existing staff is going to be trying to do at this time and the continuity that you're going to want to, these are important weeks. These are incredibly important. And weeks. Every week is important right now as you get into, as you're wrapping up a lot of recruiting. My question then would be if you come out and make the announcement, let's say it's Matt rule. And right away, they also confirm, well, Mickey Joseph's going to be sticking around yeah. as we build this new staff for the future of Nebraska football. I would want to ask Trev, was retaining Mickey Joseph a requirement? Yeah, for, these are the questions for the, you're going to get. Next head coach. That these are the questions but, you're going to good, get. bad, or otherwise. Because I, I mean, I think all of us would agree that if Mickey Joseph is not your hired head coach, you are better off having him part of your program with what he brings to you, coaching a position and and, and obviously well, recruiting. So was that a requirement for the next head coach? And it's it's short term, so it's not. You know, taking a long-term view, but it feels like a lot of the 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 people that Nebraska have got for this next class um, are, and and the people that they're starting to get back, restore contact with, who are gonna not gonna sign until later, that they're a, you know, they're Mickey recruits, and if Mickey isn't here, that would change significantly. That might also be true of the current roster. Uh huh. We talked about this on the Friday Oscar tailgate there's not a ton of seniors on this roster that are com- that are contributing uh or that that are going to be leaving that are major major contributors there's a few of them there's a handful of them, a couple of offensive lines a, a, a Caleb Tanner a Vokalek yeah. some of those guys but it's not a huge chunk of them but you know a Trey Palmer for instance um you know maybe a Casey Thompson mhm it, it i mean it, it looks like you're going to need a quarterback potentially next year, um, and 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 so you still need a quarterback for the rest of this year. Right, yeah, that's true. You, you need one for the rest of this year as well. So th- those are you know it, how important is that short term for the new coach for the program as well? Because if, if it would be a Matt Rule, by the way, those first years they were rough at Baylor and Temple. Second year. Was about five, I mean, these two, his career at both those places really mirror each other. About 500 the second year, and then third year, ranked in bowl game. Yep, double-digit double wins. wins. 
I mean, it's 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 uncanny how similar they were. All right, take twenty five. We'll take a break. We got sports next on KLIN. What are you thankful for this year? Let us know with a voice message in the free KLIN app. He's a five-time Nebraska Sports Writer of the Year. He asks the tough questions. But most importantly, he occasionally retweets Jack Mitchell. It's the Omaha World Herald's Dirk Chatelain. All right, time to talk to Dirk about, well, nothing that we know for sure. I mean, it was just really what we've been doing, if you think about it, for the last several weeks. I mean, there's things that we know, and that's what happens in the games. But at this point, who even wants to talk about that? I mean, right? Really? I'm going to talk about the future, and Dirk Chatelain does that uh, with us right now on KLIN. Good morning, Dirk. How was your weekend? Jack, if I was going to show the next generation, if my son was going to come up to me, which he did not, by the way, because his Husker enthusiasm is lacking so much. But if he was going to come up and say, Dad, can you tell me about the old days, what it was like? what Nebraska football was like, I would have said, son, imagine that that Michigan team right there is wearing the Nebraska jerseys. That's, that's what the old days was like. Uh, because, my gosh, Jack, that, that was like an old-school Nebraska butt whooping. And, yeah. uh, and I think it might go down as the most forgettable Nebraska loss of all, uh, just because of... I think everybody was was just trying to get that thing over with. I have never been less. I I was uh, I was actually going to to uh, I was in the midst of going to Omaha for something I had there that night and drove up there and listened to the beginning on the radio. Kind of had it on the background the entire time. I mean, I have never been I have never been a good background viewer of Nebraska football, but I pulled it off with that game really pretty well. Uh, which is and, and that kind of just goes along with your theory there. Yeah, it was it was very much like uh, Oklahoma two thousand four, USC two thousand six. Like, just get this thing over with, yeah, please. Yeah, Oklahoma two thousand four. I did get really excited because they kicked the field goal at the end, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well, me. This time, this time, the difference was Michigan kicked the field goal right, at the end. Right, right. That's Jim true. Is, Jim Harbaugh is a degenerate sports gambler. So. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. Um. Well, there's. So wait, wait a second. Wait. Go ahead. Just, just to clarify, you were not watching the end of that thing, so you didn't see no. the, the, Har- the Harbaugh field goal. Yeah, no, I saw it. I, I, I saw it. I was in a, I was in a, an establishment that had it on. I was not paying super close attention, but okay, I did. Like I wasn't. Even, I had no emotion about it, though. I well, had no, no real feeling about it. I was going to say the Jack I know would have would have lashed out with injustice and right. It's sad uh, what's happened to me, isn't it? Yeah, they've the taken indigna- the, the indignation would have been. Uh, would have been spilling out of you typically. I've, all my vim and vigor has been removed from me. It's very sad. It's very sad. Um, okay. Well, we don't have. I'll, uh, as I've been saying a bazillion times on my show this morning, we do not have any confirmation from uh, anywhere that there's uh, any kind of an announcement today. Although the the there are plenty of rumors that are out there right now, and I'm sh- assuming you're kind of in the same place. You haven't heard anything. Uh, one way or the other, but um, I know you have said you have said I've heard you say it before. Will you just kind of lay out your case that you think probably something is is already done or very close to done? Just kind of based on reading between the lines right now, is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, you go through enough of these things, and a couple patterns emerge. Okay, uh, one is is sort of the 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 sort of you know shadow shadow media reports. Uh, you know, such and such 
has talked to Trev Alberts or, and then immediately what happens every time a conversation like that happens, and generally they're, I think, real, uh, is, is there's a, you know, the, the coach's agent, uh, or the coach himself, you know, behind the scenes is, you know, essentially wants to get word out, especially if they're not going to take the job because it, it benefits that coach. You know, they get a, they get a, a bump in prestige. Sometimes they get a contract extension. Um, if, if a coach has a conversation with, with another athletic director, you know, it, there's good reason for that to get out on, on behalf of the coach mm-hmm. that has happened. Um, geez, zero times mm-hmm. in the last 60 days. Um, uh, and to me that indicates that one, Trev Alberts is not talking to very many people at all. Uh, and two, I think it, it signals that, that this thing is, is done or, you know, the guy that he pinpointed uh, wants the job and they're just basically sitting sitting on it uh, and waiting for the proper time. I mean, I think silence signals conclusion to me. Um, and, you know, so I don't think this thing, you know, about a week ago, two weeks ago, I asked you, I said flat out, you know, what's the earliest that this could happen in your, in your imagination? And, you know, because the, the ordinary, uh, the ordinary, guidelines i guess of waiting to the end of the season that that doesn't really apply anymore when it comes to you know organizing a staff and trying to get out ahead of it and trying to you know recruit and sort of rebuild the infrastructure uh you know to me this this could it's it benefits nebraska to do it sooner rather than later Mm -hmm. so uh you know everything that you're hearing and that i'm hearing i'm not even saying that it's matt rule but but it, it just indicates to me, it all squares with my expectation that one, this thing is done and probably has been done for a little while. Um, and two, that it's going to happen sooner than you think, because this is not the old days of, you know, you got to wait till the end of the season. Um, just look at last year, for example. I mean, Trev Alberts announced that Scott Frost was going to was going to come back with two games left in the season. Right. Uh, he, he didn't wait till the end of the year. He he did it with two weeks left because, because there's a lot of uncertainty out there and, and there was work to do. So, um, unfortunately the actual football season sort of takes a back seat to the news and does all over the country right now for, for lots of different programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it's, it illustrates the, uh, sort of the high stakes of, of all of this and, and getting your house in order before, December 1st. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess the only, the one thing I'd throw in there though, is obviously for, I, I agree with everything you're saying that there's incentive to do it earlier rather than later. I mean, a variety of reasons. Number one, just because it feels like it's going to get out and you can't keep it secret if it's already done. Uh, starting the transition, putting more weeks into the transition, recruiting, whatever it is, makes sense than putting fewer in, into them. Um, so all, all of that absolutely makes sense. I guess the only problem is if it is still somebody who's coaching another team, that's, that's almost right. completely impossible. Right. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So, that and, is, and, but again, I just, the, the main point here, in my opinion, is that if Trev Alberts has a serious conversation with a coach who is not, who is not the guy who ends up taking the job that gets out. Okay. There's, there's almost no way that that doesn't get out because, there's incentive for that coach to, to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the fact that it's been so quiet, um, you know, just to me indicates that this thing is done and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe Trev's having, you know, making phone calls to, 
Matt Campbell and Lance Leipold, you know, today or next Monday or whatever. But uh, it just, it's been too quiet and it's so hard to keep it quiet mm-hmm. that, that I just, it, it feels like it's done and, and frankly may have been done for a month now. Which, but, but, the, but and the crazy thing about that is still though, how somebody like a Feldman or a McMurphy or somebody doesn't have something on that or the, uh, or the local media, obviously that there's, I mean, it's that there's no way that keeps secret forever um and so you know again we'll 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 i think by noon today i think perhaps we'll we'll have kind of a good idea because if something's happening this week it's probably happening today um i agree i I doubt you're going much further down the week with a game coming up on saturday so um and it's you know just from a pure narrative standpoint um if if the coach is 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 available um you know, Matt Rule, Chris Peterson, Gary Patterson, you know, lots of different guys that, that aren't coach that yeah. aren't head coaches of a team right now. Uh if if that guy is available, uh it's probably time, right? Like right. it's uh we're getting to that point of the calendar where where it's yes, you're you're sort of sacrificing two games at the end of the year where but you're you're kind of sacrificing those games anyway. Yeah. Uh you know, you've this thing has has sort of run its course. I think Saturday, you know, showed that Nebraska is is out of out of gas, uh, you know, missing a lot of key players, and I think the the Mickey Joseph train is uh, has has left town. So, uh, you know, it, from a pure narrative standpoint, I think I think it's run its course. And if Trev Alberts wants to make a decision now, uh, I think people would eagerly await it. Let, let, let's so let's just prepare for this scenario if it does happen where there is something announced earlier rather than later, um, and, and uh, if it is somebody who's not, um, if it is not somebody, if it's not Mickey Joseph, so if it's one of those guys that you just mentioned, uh, the rules, Petersons, Urban Myers, whatever uh, people who are not currently coaching, and you could you could conceivably do it early. Do you think that that coach and Trev Alberts? either need to or will have some definitive statement about what Mickey Joseph's role is in the future, because you know, that will be one of the very first questions that's asked of, of both of them after this. Yeah. And, and I have, a, you know, I have expressed a little bit more concern and skepticism about how all of that works from a, from a staff, you know, chemistry and roster camaraderie standpoint, because I, I think it's tough you know, to turn it over to a guy for two months and then, and then basically uh, make him an assistant coach again. Uh, I think it's difficult for, for him. I think it's difficult for the players. I think there's got to be a lot of work there, you know, probably from the head coach to, to make sure that that's, that that's smooth and that that coach is respected and that, you know, that, that he sort of gets credit for the work that he did over the last 70 days. Um, so I, I'm a little concerned about that. I, I think it's, I think it's harder to pull off than, uh, than we might think, uh, to, to just say, okay, Mickey, you know, go back to being receivers coach, uh, you know, associate head coach and, and recruiting coordinator. Yeah. You know, I just, I just don't know. I think there might come a time six months down the road where the head coach and Mickey Joseph to say, you know what, this is, uh, this just isn't working very well. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's egos in play. There's a different vision. Our players are looking to you instead of looking to me. Like, um, I'm not saying that it can't work. I just think it's going to be tough. And, um, there's a reason that, 
that not a lot of places try to do it this way. It's a so. bit of an arranged marriage, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's going to take a lot of a lot of give for me from both sides, you know, right. from all sides, frankly. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think everybody has understood and recognizes the importance of Mickey Joseph, not only symbolically uh, as a as an alum and as someone who deeply cares about the program. And if if you hire an outsider. It's really important to have some guys who represent Nebraska and sort of, you know, wore the jersey uh, even if it was 30 years ago. But at the same time, you know, I think, I think, uh, I think it's going to be hard to execute this. Yeah. And um, especially Jack, especially, you know, if if recruiting, if you have some issues where where Mickey wants to get some guys or wants to go in a direction that the head coach doesn't want to go when it comes to personnel. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm rooting for it to happen. I think it'd be a great story if Mickey sticks around and everything yeah. goes great. And I, he sort of rebuilds the talent level. But but uh, frankly, I'll be a little bit surprised if two or three years down the road, he's, he's still in Lincoln as the associate head coach and recruiting coordinator. Um, let, let, let's talk about Rule just because his name is, it's been a couple of weeks that his name is, has popped up, you know, not only on, uh, you know, Twitter, but even like the football scoop had mentioned him and, and others, and he's a potential candidate. You know, the, the, to me, the, the thing that if you're, if you're going for him, you're fascinated with his ability to uh, just the consistency with which he turned around. Uh, Temple and Baylor, which were in you know different situations, but went from a you know basically a winless season to a 500 season the next year to a bowl game ranked uh, and ranked the next year. It was a three year process for each of them. It happened weirdly consistently with both of them. My question for you though is, how is you know the rebuild is the, is the rebuild at Nebraska? too different than what would have been at, at a Baylor or a Temple to really say, okay, this is something where he can do this as well, or is a rebuild a rebuild, essentially? Well, I think each place probably has different complications, uh, but but I think it's I don't think there's any reason to to think that it's harder. I mean, Baylor was, was a mess. Um, you know, there were some I think there were some issues there in terms of uh, just off the field issues, you know, Art Riles and the sort of the wake of that, mm-hmm. that, that probably, uh, will be easier here or would be easier here. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a little bit tougher place on the map, obviously. Uh, and I think the conference is going to, you know, big 10 West jokes aside, uh, I think it's proven to be harder here to sort of, uh, win big in the Big Ten out of nowhere. You know, you just don't see it very often, right? Yeah. It's like the Big Twelve is like, uh, you know, you you throw you throw ten ping pong balls in the in the jar and you pull one out and there's your Big Twelve champ for next year, um, or or your ten win Big Twelve team. And and here with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, you know, it's just harder to get to the top of the ladder. So. I'm a big believer that, you know, this whole talk about, oh, Nebraska is a three, four, five-year rebuild, I think that's hogwash. Um, you know, you look around the country at places that are doing it quickly, TCU, the latest, best example. Uh, you can do it here. You find you find four or five big-time transfers. Um, you, you infuse a little bit of confidence and talent, uh, and things turn fast. But 
I think getting to the very top of the ladder, a conference championship, is going to be harder here than it would be in most conferences. Yeah. Um, but, you know, big picture, I think the Baylor situation, you know, gives Matt Rule a ton of credibility. I don't think there's probably very many people that would look at that and say, let me rephrase. Almost everybody would look at that situation and say what he did there was extraordinarily impressive. Mm. So, um, you know, it's not the longest track record. Uh, you know, it's not it's not a Lance Leipold was yeah. in it four different stops and, right. and sort of rebuilding big time. <laughs> and winning 90% of his games. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan, I mean, Rule's got a weirdly different resume than so many of the other people who have, you know, you, you know put on you know, Patterson or Whittingham or Kiffin or whom, whomever. I mean, Rule's got seven years and a 500 record. But it's the turnarounds that it that is his. Well, it, it's, really it, it, it's, one, it's really just one turnaround. Nobody cares about the Temple turnaround, uh, <laughs> you know, because because it's frankly what you do at a at a at a uh, group of five school is is not terribly applicable to Nebraska. Uh, True. I, I guess, but it's that it's so similar and. That it's just it was just the year by year progression was so similar to Baylor. It's hard for me not to compare and think of both of well, them. Well, my my point them. is this. My point is this. He he's not a major coaching prospect because of Temple. Okay, uh, it's because of what happened at Baylor. Mm-hmm. So, and that's you know that's a fairly short track record. I mean, it was really yeah. impressive, but it, it's not like he was there for seven years, and it's not like he's Gary Patterson uh, right. in terms of longevity. Yeah. And, yeah. and the Carol and the you know the Carolina Panthers thing is uh, if if so many other high profile big time head college coaches had done the same thing, flamed out in the NFL, yes, that would probably be a bit of a disqualifier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the two best coaches of our current generation of football did this. So yeah, I mean uh, Pete Carroll and Nick Saban did this. So let's yeah. Well, and, and Urban Meyer did it too. And Urban, well, Urban Meyer, yes, although he hasn't it's, come back from it afterwards. And then you throw Spurrier in there too. So you know, given everyone license to go to the NFL and just be a, just suck, you know, spectacular disaster. Pete, Pete Carroll and Nick Saban paved the way for all of you to have your chance. <laughs> Everybody, take a chance. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't think the Panthers thing is as concerning as it as it might look on the surface. Uh, but it is. I would. Jack, and this is we do it. We always do this. We compare things to old Husker past, right? Yep. Uh, but but gosh, the uh, there's a little bit of echo of Bill Callahan there. That oh god, god. that's the way to end the interview. Jeez. Uh, all right. Oh god. All right, Dirk. Hey, I'm not the only one thinking that. Come on. Oh, I know you won't be. I know you won't be. We have long memories. You do. All right. Thank you, Dirk. Uh, We'll talk to you later. Dirk Chatlin, Omaha World Herald. It's 856 on KLIN.